has over 15 years experience as a Marine infantryman. I have over 20 years experience as a law enforcement officer. Combined, we have about 30 years of experience as firearms instructors and 32 years of experience carrying concealed weapons. The purpose of this show is to discuss firearms, equipment, and training as it relates to self-defense from a military, law enforcement, and civilian perspective. of Gunfighter Cast, where John McGregor and Daniel Shaw talk about zeroing your AR-15. Hey, John. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you been doing? I am living the dream once again. So nice to be podcasting with my partner again. Apparently, you couldn't find anybody better, so here I am. Not for a lack of trying. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Keep up the good work. Hey, I saw on Facebook some road core stuff going on up there at SIG Academy today or this weekend. You weren't involved in any of that? Uh, no, I was not. But uh, Scott Ballard, who you might remember from one of our previous episodes, I know he was uh, involved in that. Yeah, he's heavily involved in that, helping those guys out. I talked to him for a little while about that on Facebook and great stuff that you got going. It's awesome that SIG's doing that. And if you guys that are listening don't know what we're talking about, road cores, these are multiple amputees, service members that uh, have lost limbs in the course of their duties, and they, they love it. You can just tell by the smiles on their faces and the camaraderie and the brotherhood out there. They're just they're out there having a great time uh, at the SIG Academy. Uh, road course, uh, if you're looking for some place to spend your money and you got a, a large wallet and you want to donate somewhere, check those guys out. All right, so I already kind of told everybody, we're going to talk about zeroing the AR-15. How'd this come about, John, that you said, hey, let's talk about this? Well, uh, I was teaching one of our basic rifle courses up at SIG, and uh, it was really basic, you know, loading, unloading, and to do some actual shooting. So the uh, the people in class didn't, you know, didn't have the best, I wouldn't say best, but, you know, just new, new to the process. We were talking about red dot sites and stuff, and somebody had, uh, one of the guys had asked me, do I need a, a different red dot for different calibers? And it kind of occurred to me at the time that, um, you know, what, what kind of makes sense to us was zeroing a rifle, having done it a little bit, it could be a totally foreign concept to somebody just starting out. So uh, I thought it would be a good idea maybe go back to something, you know, not assume that uh, people know the same things that we know about zeroing rifles and you know, just cover real basic uh, how to sight in a basic AR type, or I guess it doesn't even have to be AR type, just in a semi-auto, talking about like a, a simple red dot kind of sight. Yeah, a lot of the things are going to be the same between the guns. What's going to be different is the amount of clicks at equal inches at whatever distance you're zeroing at, depending on your firearm and how you adjust the sight. So we won't get into any of that detail. But uh, yeah, you got to read the instruction manual for that. And, yep, and, I, it. I never have that around when I'm at the range anyway, so... Well, you've already posed one question that people are probably trying to look for the answer right now. Well, most people probably know, but there's probably some out there that don't, just because that's why that guy asked you that. So do you need, can your red dot work on pretty much every caliber? Well, the uh, what I first thing I did is made sure I understood the question, because uh, he, he didn't he, he didn't mean as far as anything to do with durability. Like, you know, if you get some, you know, real cheap red dot for a little 22 and then Try throwing it on a fifty cal. He was talking about will it zero? Can I get point of aim? Yes, point of impact? exactly. He was he was 
trying to visualize it with the different uh, the different ballistics with uh, like a three hundred eight versus a, a five five six, and if that many needed a, a different red dot and so forth. So well, it'd probably be easy to get confused about that and caught up in that if you're reading on some forums and you're hearing people talk about bullet drop compensators or BDCs, and you're not mm-hmm. exactly sure what they're talking about. Because when you're talking mm-hmm. about a BDC, then yeah, they're they're going to be caliber specific. But uh, yep. if it doesn't have one, it's just a red dot. Then no. Yep. So uh, just wanted to uh, you know kind of a real brief explanation of uh, you know how to explain uh, some of the things that are going on when you're when you're zeroing a rifle. Okay. Picture this: we're at a range. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go into our distances and our, our what where we'd like to zero it and different ranges that you can zero at first thing we want to do is obviously follow follow the firearm safety rules but we certainly need to have a good base a firm shooting position uh, whether we're i don't like to use a vice or anything or just sandbag and stuff too much i like to get behind the gun with my deviation of error that i would normally have in shooting a firearm and uh get behind the rifle maybe rested on a backpack or some kind of other platform and uh, just get in a good stable shooting position and mm-hmm. get behind the gun and, and fire it with reasonable stabilization, but still, mm-hmm. you know, able to, you know, do my own thing with the way I perceive sights and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you definitely need some, uh, uh, some basic marksmanship. I mean, if, if you can't hold a group, then there's no point in trying to zero. Right. Absolutely. But really what, I mean, for, you know, a brand new shooter, uh, I mean, I would start, you know, basically with a, a piece of paper, a piece of cardboard, something, and uh, get into even more basics before we can get the rifle. Just kind of try and visualize what's actually uh, what's actually happening, so that they get some some understanding of what it is that we're trying to do. Yeah. So, I mean, what were you, are we talking about? Kind of uh, triangulation. Uh, well, I don't know what uh, you know what you call it. Here's what I do. I draw a very bad profile of a rifle and I draw some type of optic on top of the rifle or it can be even just a pair of iron sights on the rifle. And I just have a straight horizontal line going from, you know, the top of the sights or the middle of the, uh, the optic and just show that that line is perfectly straight in my picture. You know, it's pretty much a horizontal line. And then I'll show the path that the, the bullet's going to take out of the barrel and because you know some of you know some people might have the misconception that the the sights are parallel to the barrel i mean you look at the side of a rifle it looks that way but if that were the case you'd never be able to zero the rifle right we're talking about barrel sight relationship mm-hmm. you know what you described there is commonly referred to as center line of bore mm-hmm. uh, if i had a laser coming out the center of my bolt uh, where the firing pin is going straight down the center of my barrel, where it comes out, that's your center line of bore, wherever it's pointing. And line of sight is uh, when you're looking through those sights. And mm-hmm. those two, uh, yeah, they're they're not on the same plane. No, and, and basically what I, I draw is, again, the path of the bullet. And the path of the bullet's not going to be straight because gravity's acting on it. So in my picture, I show that... Uh, you know that the, instead of being parallel, the barrel is actually you know leaving the sight is horizontal. If the line of sight's horizontal, the barrel is actually kind of canted upwards, so that 
when the projectile leaves the barrel, it's going to rise up that distance because the barrel's under the sights. It's going to rise up and cross that line of sight at some point. Uh-huh. And depending how you zero, it's actually going to go over the top of that line of sight for a while. And at some point, gravity's going to take over and it's going to drop it back. It's going to cross the line of sight again before it drops off even further on its way back to the ground. So the line of sight is perfectly straight. The line of the projectile is uh, more of an arc that uh, goes up, goes over the line of sight, comes back down, and eventually hits the earth. Yep. And that's called trajectory. And some people, you know, I've heard, uh, you know, some people have the mistaken belief that uh, that bullets rise when they come out of the barrel. Well, they don't really rise. As soon as they come out of the barrel, gravity stops working. It's the way we orient the barrel to intercept the line of sight that makes you, make some people maybe think that the bullet's actually rising, but. That's the whole relatively relativity side of the barrel sight relationship. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, with the picture, maybe I'll show, you know, a couple places where, like where the uh, path of the projectile, where it crosses the line of sight the first time. And that'll be, you know, one of my zeroing distances. And then we've got the, the uh, distance of the projectile over the line of sight for a little bit. How much that is is going to be dependent on how we zero, and at some point it's going to cross the line again. And so we've kind of, you know, we have a uh, series of distances where we kind of have an idea where that projectile is going to be, depending on how we choose to zero. Yeah, and there's a, a lot of common distances that people use to zero an AR, and mm-hmm. it kind of depends on your application, what you're using that rifle for or what you intend to use it for, where you choose which yard yardage you want to zero from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you and I do it the same way from uh, what we were talking about before as far as distances and go. So I'm curious to hear uh, you know, how you do it and what the, the benefits are. Yeah, well, it all comes down to what ranges do you need to shoot at? What ranges do you anticipate to shoot at? You know, If you knew that you would always be shooting at 25 yards, then by all means, if you knew it was going to be 27 yards, then zero at 27 yards. But you're not always going to be shooting at that same distance. There's no way we can tell that. Mm -hmm. So depending on what yardage you choose to zero at, it is going to decide where your rounds are going to impact on that target from various distances. So, for example, if someone were to zero at 25 yards, then you're going to have basically an effective zone from 25 to 400 yards that are going to be on the body somewhere. It's not going to start dropping down below the waist uh, or below the, the pelvic area until you get a little bit past 400. And But also, your really close in shots, uh, or even around like 200 yards, uh, it starts to rise a little bit just because of that barrel sight relationship we talked about and the trajectory of the bullet. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, There's a few pictures running around the internet of this, and if anybody has a chance... What I, the best thing that I have found anywhere that's documented that just really explains this well and has a diagram and multiple targets that they shot at these distances is uh, Travis Haley's video, The Adaptive Carbine, on uh, Panteo Productions. And if you have that or you've been thinking about getting it, if you don't watch anything else in that video and you're interested in zeros and what zero you should go with, check that out because... Uh, they do an awesome job. They, they shoot in a gun from a bench at multiple yardages, zeroing at, uh, I want to say, five different common 
yard lines people zero from. And you can see on a 3D target where those bullets would be impacting at different ranges, uh, depending on where you zeroed from. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I have uh, I've seen that. He even goes out to some, you know, shows zero distances at kind of longer ranges that, that a lot of people typically don't zero, at least their AR-type platforms for. Yeah, well, most people don't realize this thing will hit your man-sized target all day long at 500 yards. Mm-hmm. So they don't do that. And, you know, I used to really, that was important to me uh, in the Marine Corps to be able to hit at 500 yards with, you know, a relative holdover, maybe 12 to 15 inches, depending if I didn't change my zero at all. But as it gets a lot higher, once you get out to 500 than that. Mm-hmm. Then I guess that leads me to where I zero from, and I zero from 36 yards. Uh, what I like about the 36-yard line is that everything from 25 to 300 is like right together uh, in a very, very close, I want to say like five inches. They're right on top of each other. Uh, every yard line that you would fire at after zeroing at 36 yards. Of course, you're going to want to confirm that at your different yard lines to make sure, uh, especially the 300-yard line because the 36 and the 300, if you're hitting dead on at 36 yards, uh, you have to take into account humans' margin for error and your small little things you do wrong in your sight alignment, sight picture, trigger press, the fundamentals of of marksmanship, you're not going to see as much deviation at 36 yards as you will at 300 yards. So you got to keep that in account whenever you're zeroing up close. And that's one reason why I'm not crazy about the 25-yard zero, because it's it's too close. Uh, You might get a false zero. So if you're going to zero at 25, make sure you're confirming at your other ranges that are a little bit further out. And uh, But the 36, I like it because they, it keeps them all close together. And then when I move back to 400 yards, you know, I'll just hold on the face and I'm still hitting the chest. And it's uh, and then if you have to go out to 500, you get quite a large holdover. You might as well go ahead and move your sights a little bit. That's kind of where I'm at, John. So you say uh, you zero at 36 and it's close from, you know, your, your close-in shots, your 36, all the way out to, you know, four or 500 yards. What uh, I mean, what does that exactly, what does that exactly mean? I mean, is it always you know what happens when you're not at 36 yards? What happens? What's going to happen for you between? Uh, well, first of all, it, it, just to make sure we understand, at 36 yards, you're right on. What happens when you get uh, beyond 36 yards? Where's your point of impact from your point of aim? Uh, it depends on what yard line you're at. Once you get up to 200, it's actually a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. than where you would have hit at 36 yards. Uh, once you get up to 300, that one should be point of aim, point of impact. Uh, once you, even at 50 yards, you're still hitting a little bit high. But then once you get within 50, just because of that sight's height over the bore, now your shots start hitting a little bit low once you get closer in. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to offset aim just a little bit, you know, hold over, even if you're, you know, 15 and in, 10 and in, you're not going to get point of aim. Because your sights are higher than your bore. And uh, so you're going to have to aim a little bit high. But they're all very close together. So it's not a uh, a massive holdover. Do you know what the, um, and again, it's kind of theoretical because, you know, a lot of different factors as far as your different ammo is going to act a little different. and The length of your barrel is going to have some effect. But um, as far as how high over the line of sight the round is going to go. Do you know what the, the maximum amount is for that type of zero? Uh, the highest it's going to go? Yeah. Uh, I want to say 
I want to say that's 200, and it's at about five inches. Five inches. But don't quote me on that one. That mm-hmm. was kind of a, a guesstimation, just by remembering looking at targets at different ranges. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, um, I've got a, a slightly different, uh, you know, slightly different zero that I use. I actually like the 50 yard zero. And, uh, so what I would expect to see is that, you know, like you said, anytime you're, you're shooting with some type of, uh, you know, sites or red, it doesn't matter sites or red dot on your AR type platform, you've got your sites. They're about, what about two and a half inches above the line of the bore. So anytime you're really close to the target, you know, like handgun, typical handgun ranges, you're going to aim your shots are going to go lower than your point of aim just because your sights are about two and a half inches above the barrel. And that distance is going to get, uh, or that deviation is going to get less and less the further out I go until 50 yards is where I expect to see point of aim, point of impact. Then from 50 out to about 250 is where the, the projectile is going to kind of arc over the line of sight and then cross it you know, somewhere around 250 yards. And that's, the, you're going to be hitting a little bit high around 200 yards with a 50 yard zero. Correct. But the, not much. No, not much. And that's, that's kind of the benefit of, of this zero for me is that, um, my deviation over the line of sight, the gun I shoot, it's going to be more like, um, it's going to be less than five. It's going to be like an inch and a half, two inches over line of sight. So, what that means for me is, you know, the way I zero is from zero to 250 yards, I'm always within four inches point of aim, point of impact. If I'm up close, my deviation's a little bit low. Uh, if I'm at distance, my deviation's a little bit high. So it can be anywhere from two and a half inches low to about an inch and a half high throughout that arc. So it gives me a little less deviation than your zero. But the downside being, I don't have, for me, after 250, it starts dropping off pretty quick, you know, quicker than your zero does. The whole purpose of, uh, of my zero uh, that I use, the 50 to 250, it, it's kind of like you said at the beginning, it's going to depend on your application. First of all, for, you know, for law enforcement, uh, we don't, it's t- not typical that we're going to have to take a 400, 500 yard shot. Everything that we're going to have to do is going to have to be at distances where we can actually recognize a bad guy, not just see somebody in a certain area with a weapon, but we have to be able to identify that that is in fact, uh, you know, the, the bad guy as it were. So our engagement distances are going to be a lot closer. So uh, the other kind of factor for me personally is the area that that I live in you know we've we're a lot of uh, trees and so forth there's not a lot of wide open areas where you know maybe somebody out west is gonna maybe they're gonna be regularly in areas where they can actually have an unobstructed shot for four or five hundred yards uh, that's not very common around this part of the country so the zero I use is you know, trying to be have less deviation, but the but not as quite the longer range that uh, that yours would. Yeah, you know another, and 
the 50 yard is probably my my second favorite. If I had to go to another one, I would go with the 50 yard. Or depending on my application, if I were just only doing entry, the 100 yard zero is extremely solid. And the reason it is very good for you know just close in is because everything from 25 to 200 yards is basically right together. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you get out, then you know to three or after two, it starts to drop off. You know significantly that's a really good zero for when you're doing up close for kind of a home defense type thing if that's what you're using for just inside the house and you don't ever expect that to shoot anybody at 300 or 400 yards then uh that 100 yards is pretty good and you're also uh, once you get some good solid groups at 100 yards that's where your gun's hitting you know you've already you're you're on mm-hmm. and i think the 50 does that well and the 36 does it well the 50 does it better because it's at 50 yards but, you know, we start getting too close. we got problems. And one thing that uh, it, it's nice, to, it's okay to go to uh, to go up close. I mean, some people have ever zeroed a rifle and went and did, started off at 100 yards or maybe even 50 yards to zero their rifle. And they're spending hours in ammo to get that thing on paper. And they're like, hey, you see where that one went? Hey, can you look through the scope? <laughs> you know, and that, that's kind of a pain. So it's perfectly fine to go up to 20, 25 yards, you know, 36, whatever you want to do. Get that gun down. Get that thing dialed in at that range, and then move back to your other one, whatever yard line you want to zero at. So you're you're going to be on paper when you get there, yeah. and and then go ahead and, and dial it into whatever range you want. And, and that's a very good point. I I use a a fifty yard zero, but if I've got uh, you know brand new rifle, new optic, and I have no idea where it is, I actually start at twenty five on a you know big piece of cardboard or something, just so that I can make sure that I see where the rounds are going. And, you know, where I would expect to be if, if I'm aiming for a, a 50 yard zero at 25, I just try and get close to what I would expect to see if I had a 50 yard zero at 25 is a little over an inch low. So at 25, I try and get to where I'm a little bit below my point of aim. That way, when I do move back to 50, I'll be real close point of aim, point of impact. But yeah, it is a good point, uh, especially, you know, a brand new setup, you know, go close. Just make sure that you're, you're not going to waste those first few rounds. Uh, not to mention the, the cost of ammo right now. So yeah, cost availability. We don't all get free ammo like John does. No, no, not everybody. It's a, it's a burden to bear, but yeah, somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Your tax dollars at work. So what other zeros do you see that are common, like guys you work with or, you know, team you're on and everything? What what are you seeing out there that's also popular? Well, uh, with the ARs, it's one factor that we really haven't discussed is just, uh, just availability. You know, like you said, the 100-yard zero is dead on out to 200. But, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on your area, finding a range where you can actually zero at these longer ranges gets to be more difficult so but most of the people that uh that i'm aware of will use a a 50 yard zero for because i mean most of the people i work with are are law enforcement so they're kind of looking for the same advantages and have the same set of disadvantages that uh that i would have as well and that seems to work best for us i go with the 36 because that's what i've been taught from the very beginning and uh, the way I train people for years, and it's because I I know I've memorized them all. I know where they need to hit. Mm-hmm. I know whenever I'm ten yards in, I know where I need to aim to get that brain box shot. You know, it's just, and I know where I need to be to to hit it. You know, two hundred yards, and 
that's where it's kind of all came from. I think I think they're all good in their own way, you know, depending on what yard line you're using. Uh, if it works for you, you're not going to go wrong. And I don't think there's one that's better than the others. I think they're just maybe better for you. And that's just kind of the way you got to look at it. Yeah, it's definitely a, an individual thing that's, uh, you know, like we said, a number of factors. The, but as for the, me in my house, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, we'll go. Well, I'll stay with that 36. The other reason I like the 50 is uh, the ranges I typically work on have a, a 25 and a 50. They don't typically have a 36-yard line, so I don't have to do any measuring to, to uh, zero my rifle. But another thing, people have different length barrels. And if you have a short-barreled rifle, I think you probably need to do a little bit of experimentation. If you can afford that uh, NFA stamp and everything else to get your short-barreled rifle, uh, you probably need to go out there and spend a little bit of ammo and figure out what ranges you are hitting at and you're not and uh, see what's working the best for you with that gun because the trajectory is going to be a little bit different than these 14.5 or 20-inch barrels or even 16-inch barrels. Yep, Absolutely. What I have with a 300-yard zero or the 36-yard zero is uh, whenever I get out to 400 yards, uh, I'm hitting the FUPA, where your 50-yard zero is uh, slightly lower than that, about maybe three, three and a half inches. And so in the application, you know, that I was accustomed to in the Marine Corps, uh, having a little bit less of a holdover that's at least on the body, uh, maybe even in the upper torso area, depending on, you know, I guess, the exact range that we're at, you know, that, that that's kind of work better for me but i mean yeah. you, you spoke about your terrain and you know chance of you taking a 400 yard shot with something that doesn't have a scope and a uh bipods on it are pretty slim right yeah so uh, that's um the 50 yard zero the benefit of it is uh, like i said i've got a deviation of you know about four inches i can be an inch and a half low or um, i'm sorry about two and a half inches low or about an inch and a half high from zero to about 250 yards so i mean what that means for me is if i hold you know center body that deviation is not going to matter too much i'm going to be somewhere if i hold high chest my round's still going to be in high chest it might be inch and a half above my point of aim or two and a half inches low but you know if i'm out at uh, you know 100 uh, 200 yards with a red dot optic it's not like i'm going to be able to factor in that that inch and a half rise anyway. I'm just going to have a big red splotch over center chest and I'm going to be making hits. The likelihood of me, especially in a law enforcement context, of, of going out and having to, you know, take a shot at 400 yards is, you know, pretty slim. And, you know, the geography of the area I live, having a 400 yard shot is somewhat slim as well. Yep. And even in my current line of work, uh, Chances of me taking a 400-yard shot is very slim as well, even more slim than yours. Yeah, but it could be, you know, again, somebody in a uh, you know, the wide open spaces out uh, out west. There might be, you know, more of an application where they need to be a little uh, have a little more range than than you know some situation I typically find myself in. Right. In in case uh, you did show up to the zombie apocalypse with something other than a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And uh, you needed to keep zombies at bay, you know, way out there, and you don't have time to adjust sights. That's a good application for it. All right. Very well, good. I think we've screwed up reload or uh, zeroing enough, huh, for one episode. Mm-hmm. 
I think so. I think we'll get lots of feedback of all the stuff that I screwed up about, but yeah, that's all right. I mean, I'm yeah. whatever. Get a good stat, establish a good base. Take your time. Get some good accurate shots down there. Find the center of your shot group. Move that center of the shot group to where you want to hit on the target. Do it at the range that you want to do that you want to use that fits best with your uh, application. What you're using that rifle for, and you know, do a little more research and find out what uh what you think does work best for you and you know we're interested in hearing what you do and why you chose that zero so if you guys want to give us some feedback hit us up on facebook or uh over at freedoms network or any of the other forums and stuff that we're on so or of course email look forward to hearing from you so we should probably uh move into thanking the sponsors who made this show possible today should we not well i think it kind of goes without saying that I don't think anybody could actually zero a rifle properly unless they were wearing an Ares gear belt. And just for safety, when you're on a range, you got to make sure you got that Dark Angel uh, dark with you to make sure that in case something crazy happens, uh, you can deal with it. Absolutely. At least that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always want to look good, but you always want to be prepared for bad things happening. So, Daniel, now that we've uh, you know, kind of wrapped up our our zeroing thing, I can ask you, how's the, uh, the Academy thing going? It's going pretty good. Got some, uh, courses scheduled. I'll be training up in, uh, Ohio with Paul Carlson from the safety solutions Academy, uh, June 29th and 30th. Uh, he's going to be doing a day of combat focus and I'm going to be doing a day of handgun vitals, which is a handgun class from Paradis Academy, which belongs to me. That's what I got going on in the very near future. Uh, we're also selling uh, episode one of the Vitals of Defense video series. And you guys, come on. You got to support Gunfighter Cast. Support Daniel Shaw. My kids are starving right now. Go get Vitals of Defense so I can go make more videos and Vitals of the Carbine and, and Shotgun and uh, invite John McGregor down to do Vitals of the Scoped Rifle and stuff. It's going to be awesome. That's the long-term plan, but yeah, uh, you can go to gunfightercast.com and click on Vitals of Defense and go ahead and grab episode one. It's up there waiting on you. Lots of folks already bought it, and uh, everybody has had you know great things to say, which kind of surprised me because first video production, it, it is kind of scary, but it turned out really well. Yeah, it did turn out really well. It was uh, good stuff, and if you don't, uh, if you don't download and watch Vitals of Defense, you will never solve the mystery of the missing fire extinguisher. <laughs> that's right well you mentioned something in the intro of the last show john that i, I really liked that uh you're talking about how it's something that doesn't usually happen in videos where uh you know two instructors give different points of views and they don't always agree you know usually when you invite somebody to be in your video or you're going to be in a video with somebody it's like you're going to kiss each other's butt and tell each other how awesome they are and how that you agree and everything they're saying is so great mm-hmm. uh paul and i don't agree on a lot of things uh so um you know, he teaches combat focus shooting and, you know, I teach my thing and, you know, some, a lot of things overlap, but not everything does. And that's what I wanted to do with that is give, you know, varying perspectives and with future instructors uh, and more things with Paul, uh, I want to always highlight those things. So more, so people can, you know, not only get my point of view and just buy into what I'm saying, but they're going to you know be able to, to think and decide and say, you know, which one's best for me? Which one do I agree with? Which one I don't? And kind of just get some more perspectives out there. Yeah, I've always found that, uh, you know, work with different instructors and so forth, that generally what I end up doing is I'll take something from somebody and something from somebody else. And it's yep. ne- it, 
I, I don't think I've run into anybody that I agree with all the time. So you kind of get the benefit of, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you, the way you explain something or your technique is, you know, what I'm going to use in, in this situation, but then something Paul says about something else makes sense. And I'm going to steal what Paul does or what Paul says. Yep. Oh, you know what we didn't mention, John? What didn't we mention? Facial hair. And I'm really surprised you didn't jump on that at some point in this episode. Well, you know, it was just as we're thinking about this and you're talking about other videos and so forth. And I'm thinking, you know, where else have I seen some farms videos where there was one guy without facial hair and then one guy with facial hair? It's almost like uh, like you're channeling the old Magpul Dynamics videos. You've got, uh, <laughs> you as Travis and you've got Paul as Chris Costa. That's funny, but, and but you're, there's a you're funny joke that in there. Up now, though. There's a there's something funny because there's a future project. Whenever we're not poor and we can afford to do training videos, and one day maybe a spoof video will come mm-hmm. out that's fun, uh, and it has something along those lines, because uh, clearly a spoof video, but it, it should be fun if it ever happens, and I hope it does, because it'll be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I've got going on, and and you know I decided that uh, I was going to grow a little beard to uh, for a YouTube video just for John and Paul Carlson and everybody who said, hey, who's that beardless guy hanging out with Paul Carlson? Because Paul has a huge beard. And so I grew a little facial hair for a YouTube video. Then I came home and uh, a couple days went by and the wife's like, because I can't afford razors right now. Uh, and then the wife's like, you know, you can keep that beard. It kind of looks good. So I was like, you know what? I'll let it grow. Let's do this. So here we are. So Paul didn't have any that he could just lend you? He's got a lot. Yeah. All right. Everybody's like, what are these guys talking about? I've had enough. Can I mm-hmm. please get on to my next good podcast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. John, it, it was fun hanging out with you again. Uh, too rare of an occasion. We need to make this you know, a lot more often. Yeah, you're going to have to move back to Japan or something so we can get back <laughs> on a regular schedule. Exactly. We, should, we were really rolling there at the end. Uh, <laughs> that's good. And I, I'm still going to get up at six sometime, hopefully soon. Really need to Very do nice. that. Uh, make sure you guys also email Daniel at GunfighterCast with any comments or anything you have, or, or John at GunfighterCast.com. And when you email John, tell him that he needs to also make YouTube videos, because you guys may not realize this, but we have a YouTube channel. It's linked like multiple times on GunfighterCast.com, and it's always getting put up on Facebook. And uh, I would love for you to go watch those videos, and if you like them, please share them and subscribe them, because... Uh, that actually helps put food on the table in the show house. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Very good. I need I need John's sexy face on there. With no Man, beard. That, and skinny that jeans. A conflict of terms, what you just said there. <laughs> I've seen some pictures of you recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, getting, well. it's getting awkward. We're not even going to add. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, <laughs> let's uh, sign off. All right. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. John, where were you? Yes. At, weren't you at a concert a couple nights ago? Uh, it was about a week ago, actually. Whose concert was it? Um, Luke Bryan. I I can say I was there. I was not a ticket holder. I'm editing everything after I can say I was there. Out. Oh, good. Excellent. That's good. Um, yes. So there's I'm not even know who that is, but uh, I'm guessing the, he's a he's a Bieber type guy. Uh, no, actually, he's country. It's my understanding. So. Oh. It's not as if I had said I was at a Justin Bieber concert. It won't have the same comedic value. You would have actually went into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. 
Uh, AriesGear.com. They've got a lot more than just great belts. Uh, go check them out and uh, check out Kerry Davis over at Dark Angel Medical. Make sure you join the NRA Second Amendment Foundation. A lot of stuff going on right now uh, that is a direct threat to your not only your Second Amendment right, but your first and your fourth and pretty much everything else in the Bill of Rights and the U.S. Constitution. So keep, stay informed, stay on top of it, and you know, do what you can. All right. Very good. Don't forget, Gun Dudes, Safety Solutions Academy podcasts, uh, the shows we listen to, give them a listen as well. All right, and be safe. John, say Gunfighter Cast out. Gunfighter Cast out. It's up there, stole my line. This is a Paradis Academy production. Copyright Paradis Academy 2013.